0: Hi guys, and welcome back to the special episode of Uni Therapy that we like to call Couch Talks over here. My name is Kat, I am your host, and if you are new, then you're like, what is Couch Talks? It is the special episode it's bonus every week that I put out where I answer questions that you guys send in. And if you guys have any questions that you would like me to answer, possibly you can send them in to Katherine K-A-T-H-R-Y-N, at unitherapypodcast.com and hopefully at some point I will get to answer them for you. Now we've been through a couple weeks of random couch talks just because we went through the holidays and the new year and I did some special stuff and so we are back to the original content where I'm answering your questions. I answer two questions every week and I'm actually really excited to talk about the ones that I have today. So hope you guys had a wonderful new year hope you enjoyed the episode with hannah brencher because i mean isn't she amazing i hope you guys went and got her book and um let's get into the questions okay and again i want to remind you guys that i keep all the questions anonymous just because i think that sometimes it's more touchy than other times and so i just made a decision that all questions are always anonymous so this question comes from somebody anonymous And they write, I loved your episode about not dieting that you did with Crystal. And I am fully on board with what you guys were talking about. My question is, how do I help friends who I see that are still engaging in behaviors that I think are harmful? I don't want to be pushy and I don't want to sound like a know-it-all, but I also get really sad and also annoyed when they're engaging in all these things that I know aren't good for them. Not to mention it can be pretty triggering for me. What should I do? Okay, this is a really good question. I think then I bet a lot of people are struggling with this. I know that I struggled with this when I came out of my disordered eating habits. It almost is like I wanted to save the world. And at the same time, I wanted to tell everybody all the things that I learned. And I think it came off. Well, I think it came off pretentious when I was in my eating disorder. But then it also came off pretentious when I was out of it. So it's it's hard. It's pretty hard. So I'm gonna start with that. It's hard. I love that you anonymous have found some healing from whatever kind of disordered way of living around food you have had. It's hard work to do that in itself. And the truth is, sadly, we are still fighting an uphill battle. What Crystal and I have talked about on the show and what I promote and share is still the outlying opinion in most spaces in America around food and body and health. It can be really easy to forget this. I know for me, because I've shut a lot of the toxic stuff out of my life. I've followed certain people and unfollowed certain people on Instagram. I go to certain gyms and don't go to certain gyms to move my body. That's just the minority. Nevertheless, my way of thinking and treating food and my body is still the minority. So this is extra tough and I get why you are struggling with it. I think that the best thing you can do is... This sounds so, I hate that I'm saying this word or this phrase, but I think the best thing you can do is live your truth. Live your truth the best way you can. So you can do that just by being yourself and maintaining the healthy behaviors you have created and by setting boundaries, that's a big one. Now, what most people do not respond well to is people telling them what to do when they haven't asked that's a surefire way to get somebody to send you some resistance and get really defensive and so when it comes to distorted eating if someone has not felt and discovered consequences it's really hard to convince them that what they're doing is harmful or isn't working and by just straight up telling them things it can come off how I said like pretentious and like it can come off know-it-all-ish and I know that's kind of what you're struggling with so I know the best thing for me was one to maintain my way of living so no matter what other people were promoting or doing or telling me I was still going to order what I wanted to order at the dinner table. I was still going to talk about what I wanted to talk about. If they brought something up about deity culture or something like that, I would not engage in the conversation. So I think that's one way, like live, live by example in one sense. And then the boundaries, I want to bring boundaries in. And I think that I've talked about this on a couch talks before, but I can never talk about this enough. So when we set boundaries, we're also engaging in healthy confrontations. And I'm going to give you a format to use. And I use this in my own life. I give this to tons of clients. And it's something that at first seems kind of rigid, but you can definitely weave this into a very normal conversation where people don't know you're using it by just adding some of your own language to it. So if it sounds kind of like do 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 like robot-y, know that you can like You don't have to say this exactly. You can weave it into your own, add your own spice or whatever. So this is the format that I generally use when I'm setting a confrontation or a boundary. When you blank, so when you do something, so let's say it's like when you talk about calories or when I hear people talking about calories, even if you wanna take the whole you out of it, that's the first part. I feel blank. So then you add in a feeling word, like straight up feeling, like I feel sad or scared or angry, whatever it is. What it brings up for me, or the story in my head or the judgment I make, you can use all three of those, is blank. So that's where you get to say, I know that I might be making something up and this might be not what you're meaning, but I want you to know how it feels when I see this thing. So you're talking all about you. This isn't about them, that you're talking all about your experience. So when you blank, I feel blank. What it brings up for me is blank. What I need is blank. And this is kind of where you set your boundary. So what I need is space to live in where calories aren't talked about, especially when I'm eating. What I need is you get to fill that in, whatever fits for you. And then you set a consequence because as you know, a boundary without a consequence is just a suggestion, right? So the truth is people don't change behavior if they don't have a reason to. And a lot of times people do things that are really harmful to us because those things are working for them. So essentially you want to make these boundaries set. So the things that these people are doing are no longer working anymore, right? So it's it that speaks into enabling. And I think I talked about this on an episode when we were talking about how to not enable people, you don't want to just let this behavior continue to work for them. If they can talk about calories whenever they want, and they can talk about needing to lose weight or this exercise where they burn 700 calories, and people really jump on that bandwagon for them, and helps them feel good about their behaviors, it's working for them. But if you set a boundary, and that is no longer working for them, and they know that when they talk about their calories it hurts you that won't hopefully won't be working for them anymore now, the other part is you set boundaries. The goal is to protect yourself. It's not essentially just to change their behavior. That would be a bonus. But when we set boundaries, they're for us. So it's about you also changing your behavior. So the co- consequence a lot of times has to do with something that you are going to end up doing. If you continue to talk about calories or I don't know why I keep bringing that. That's just what we're using. I'm no longer going to be able to go out to eat with you if you talk about how many calories are in your meal every time. Because that's really painful for me. Or I'm never no longer going to be able to run with you on the weekends if you have to talk about how many calories you burned each mile, because that's really hard for me. And I'm trying to learn how to move my body in a different way. So you're going to have to uphold this consequence, which could be really hard, because it's essentially like this is affecting you. And you might have to do something that you wish you didn't have to do. And it's really what's going to help change that behavior and put you in a space that makes you feel better and more supported in your way of living. So if people end up hearing you and end up seeing what you're doing, and end up seeing the way that you're living and how it's so much more fruitful for you, the bonus might be they do change their behavior. Okay, but the point I want to make here is I want you to find spaces where you feel like you can be supported the most in your new way of living. Because since this is such the minority way of thinking in America, it's really easy to be like taken back to the dark side really quick. Because I'm doing air quotes, everybody else is doing it and it's glorified and it's normalized in our world. And I talked about last week, just because something is normal doesn't mean it's healthy. Just gonna put that out there. All in this to say... If somebody is actually like, if you are scared for their health and their safety and their well-being, there's a way to have a healthy confrontation and just express that as well. And as long as you do that in a way, because that whole part was really as if people are engaging in diet culture things, but you don't think that their immediate safety is at harm. And I struggle even saying that because so many people who diet end up going into an eating disorders and eating disorders are the most deadliest mental illness there is right now in America. So I even struggle that I'm going to say the wrong thing and talking about this. But that one part where I just talked was about you setting boundaries, and you working in spaces and trying to maintain relationships in spaces where somebody's just belief system is different than yours when it comes to food and and body image and, and moving your body. Now, if you have a friend who is like, in the thick of it, and you are literally scared for their safety. I think that's a whole nother conversation. And that's where you can sit down and have a really healthy care frontation. You can use the same format and you can say something like, Hey, when I see you skipping meals or this or that, or whatever the, the thing is that scares you, I feel really scared. What it brings up for me is, and you can go on you're really important to me and I don't want to lose you as a friend and whatever the story I make is that something bad's going to happen. X, Y, Z, you fill that in. What I need is for you to just hear me out. I mean, that could be it. Like I want you to, it's just, I want to have a conversation with you and what I need is to know if you need help and all of that. What I need is just to have a conversation. That's another way you can approach that. But you have to do that in a really caring, kind way that doesn't feel accusatory and all of that. Because when you're in the thick of something like that, it's real easy to get defensive. And when defensiveness comes in, it's like all bets are off. This conversation is pointless. So that was a very long winded way to answer your question. I hope that helped. And I do want to round that out with, like I said, I almost tiptoe around this kind of stuff because there's so much more to it than I can talk about in 10 minutes on this podcast. And so take all of that information, but I am not the Bible of helping your friends and I don't know the real situations you're in. So I can't be the end all be all when it comes to that, but take that information and hopefully it will help you in some way. Hey guys, Kat here. And I have something from another anonymous person (laughs) and he or she writes, hi, I have been loving the podcast and really enjoy how relatable and normal you seem. I mean this in a good way because in my old mind, I always saw therapists as older women that I couldn't relate to that just sat there and nodded their heads and seemed very distant. I have a couple questions, but my main one is, I would love to know how you find the courage to do the things that you do. I have a lot of dreams in my head, but I can't seem to pull the trigger on any of them. I assume I'm missing some piece of confidence, but I see people around me going after all these awesome things. And while I probably look somewhat successful from the outside, I'm itching to do more. I am scared. Can you help? Okay. I I love this question. And I first want to say thank you. I love that I seem relatable and normal to you. (laughs) I used to think that about therapists too. And I think it actually comes from a couple experiences I did have from therapists and also how therapists are kind of promoted in movies and TV. Although not Maggie from A Million Little Things because she, I mean, I wish she could be my therapist, but she is not real. (laughs) Anyway, the truth is there are a lot of therapists out there like me. So I do want people to know if you're like, oh, never find a therapist that seems normal or relatable or like me there's tons of people like me out there. They just don't have podcasts. So I want to put that out there too. And now to your question, I think a lot of what drives my behavior to do the things that I do is my personality. I have a lot of ideas in my head too. And I also don't have a lot of patience. So I think I end up doing a lot of things just because like I jump really fast and I don't suggest that that's always the best way to do things. <laughs> now, I think there's a lot to this question that I wish I could tease out with you in person. So I'm going to encourage you to answer some of these questions that I would normally ask somebody if somebody came into my office with this kind of stuff. First, I would ask, what are you afraid of? So just straight up, what are you afraid of? And then I want to ask you what, you, what is the worst that would happen if that fear came true? Then the next thing I would tease out is, is the idea worth trying? As in, if that fear came true, would that be worse than sitting with these hopes and dreams and never knowing if they were possible? If the answer is no, then girl, let's go make some moves and let's let's do something. And if the answer is yes, then I think you might want to dive deeper into what those fears would mean about you, who you are, and your worthiness. I think the world ends up seeing a lot of the things that I do I don't think the world and obviously like you're not with me all day long so people aren't seeing all the things that i'm doing that aren't going right i do a lot of things that go wrong or things that don't work out and what i have learned through years of processing and tons of therapy is that my worthiness of who i am as a human is not tied to my success or failures and what i'm doing my worthiness is a static thing like it doesn't move and my success and failures, those are the fluid things. So those are up and those are down day by day. So I learned if I tied my worth to those things, then every day that I opened my eyes, I wouldn't know when I went to bed if I was gonna be worthy or not that night. And that was an icky feeling, I didn't like it. And the things that I do that end up going well or work out, those are exciting and I'm grateful and I'm so happy about it, but they're not the pillars that my life stands on. So I have different pillars that my life stands on now. And I had to do some digging to figure out what those really are and what really matters in my life. All of that to say, I don't know that it's a confidence thing so much, especially for me. It's not so much if I think I can do something or not, because sometimes I try things and I'm like, there's no way this is going to work. Or I try something and I'm like, there's no way this person's going to like this or whatever. And then it goes, well, I have a lot of doubt in my life. I think it's more for me about I don't put a lot of weight in things going right or wrong or being successful or a failure. I put weight in other things. And I don't need to tell you even what those things are, because I think that that's more about you getting to do some digging and what are the pillars that my life is going to stand on. So when I do do something and it doesn't go well, yeah, that's a bummer, but my life is not over. And if I do something and it goes, well, that's amazing, but this is not what's going to keep me breathing and my heart beating and me alive. So I hope that's helpful. Again, those questions might be really helpful for you to answer and maybe journal about, and uh, good luck with doing the things that you want to do. So this um, wraps up this episode of Couch Talks. And again, if you guys have any questions or, I mean, feedback of any sort, you can, I mean, you can put feedback or Comments in the if when you rate the podcast at the bottom of, of the page on Apple Podcasts, or you can send me something through email katherine at dot Podcast.com. And go ahead while you're at it, follow us at UnitherapyPodcast, Podcast and follow me on Instagram at Cat Dot DeFada. I hope you guys have a wonderful week, and um, I'll talk to you guys again on Monday.